Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week six, day four of our study of Isaiah. I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and today we're talking about Isaiah 22. Well, welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to encounter you in your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word of reading today from the NIV. This is Isaiah 22, starting in verse 1. A prophecy against the valley of vision. And let's pause right there. This is a euphemism toward Jerusalem. Most people agree here. And then as we, we go through the, the context here, it'll become very clear. <clears throat> what troubles you now that you have gone up on the roofs? Verse 2. You town so full of commotion, you city of tumult and revelry. Your slain were not killed by the sword, nor did they die in battle. All your leaders have fled together. They have been captured without using the bow. All you who were caught were taken prisoner together. Having fled with the enemy still far away, well, the enemy was still far away. Therefore, I said, turn away from me. Let me weep bitterly. Do not try to console me over the destruction of my people. Verse 5, the Lord, the Lord Almighty has a day of tumult and trampling and terror in the valley of vision, a day of battering down walls and of crying out to the mountains. Elam takes up the quiver with her chariots and horses. Kir uncovers the shield. Your choicest valleys are full of chariots and horsemen are posted at the city gates. Verse 8, the Lord has stripped away the defenses of Judah, and you looked in that day to the weapons in the palace of the forest. You saw that the walls of the city of David were broken through in many places. You stored up water in the lower pool. So pausing right there. So this is where it seems like our context here, the the Valley of Vision is, is the city of Jerusalem. Uh, it could be said that maybe that's not exactly what Isaiah is referring to. Maybe he's referring to Babylon, but it seems more likely that we're talking specifically to Jerusalem here. Although you could say that we've gone back and forth between the two. Verse 10 or verse 9, you saw that the city, uh, the walls of the city of David were broken through in many places. You stored up water in the lower pool. Verse 10, you counted the buildings in Jerusalem and tore down houses to strengthen the wall. You built a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool, but you did not look to the one who made it or regard for the one who planned it long ago. So what he's talking about is is, um, the city of Jerusalem is preparing for a siege. And so they're, they're making it to where the water that flows can be stored in Jerusalem. And this is actually a historical thing that happened is, is they actually extended the walls of Jerusalem around um, one of the springs in the pool so that the water would be accessible within the city of Jerusalem. Originally, the water, the main water source of Jerusalem, was not actually accessible within Jerusalem. Uh, Hezekiah and and uh, was one of the more famous ones who did some of this, this work. Um, there were a, a couple of the kings of Judah in Jerusalem that actually did this. And this is actually a thing that happened is, is so this water actually now is accessible from within the city. It's uh, not necessarily the most publicly accessible 
water source, but it is a water source for the entire city nonetheless. Verse 12, the Lord, the Lord Almighty called you on that day to weep and to wail, to tear out your hair and put on sackcloth. But see, there's joy in revelry, slaughtering of cattle and killing of sheep, eating of meat and drinking of wine. Let us eat and drink, you say, for tomorrow we die. The Lord Almighty has revealed this in my hearing. Till your dying day, this sin will not be atoned for, says the Lord, the Lord Almighty. So this, I, I said in one of our previous episodes, that the wearing of sackcloth and putting dust on people's heads, there's actually some wisdom in this, right? And so the Israelites are saying, hey, uh, we're all going to die. Like this, this, this coming uh, wave of war and atrocities, it's coming for us. So we might as well just live it up. Let's just live it up while we can. Instead of repenting, instead of repenting, we're going to double down all of the sin we've been engaged in. And this is, I think, where that, you know, the sackcloth and dust and ashes and all that kind of stuff, there's some wisdom in that because it forces you physically. You've got this rough stuff on your skin and nasty stuff in your hair. It's uncomfortable. And it forces you to remember, oh, things are not right. Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. It causes you to cry out to the Lord for mercy. But instead, they've taken off the sackcloth. They, they've un, they did, done away with all of this and like, let's live it up now while we can. They're doubling down in their sin. So the Lord says, no matter what you do, I will not forgive this sin. The, 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 the fact that instead of repenting, after all that he's done to get their attention, instead of repenting, they doubled down again into their sin. Verse 15. This is what the Lord, the Lord Almighty says. Go, say this to the steward, to Shebna, the palace administrator. What you are doing here and what are you doing here and who gave you permission to cut out a grave for yourself here, hewing your grave on the height and chiseling your resting place in the rock. Beware, the Lord is about to take firm hold of you and hurl you away, you mighty man. He will roll you up tightly like a ball and throw you into a large country. There you will die. And there the chariots you are so proud of will become a disgrace to your master's house. I will depose you from your office and you will be ousted from your position. In that day, I will summon my servant, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah. I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. and What he shuts, no one can open. I will drive him like a tent peg into a firm place. He will become a seat of honor for the house of his father. All the glory of his family will hang on him, its offspring and offshoots, all its lesser vessels, from the bowls to the jars. So the Lord is, is actually prophesying to some people contemporarily saying, hey, you've allowed all this to happen. You've said, hey, if we're going to be destroyed, we might as, might as well live it up now. And the Lord is, is saying to them, listen, I'm going to get rid of all of you useless leaders, all of you people who are leading um, the people stray, and I'm going to make Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the priest, I'm going to give him all of this authority. I'm going to give him 
everything. And then he says, I'm going to give him the key to the house of David, right? What he unlocks, no one can, can lock again. What he locks, no one can unlock, right? He's going to have this, this great authority in, in the lineage of, of David. This is a powerful and a beautiful prophecy about this man and against the, the people of, of Jerusalem for their complacency with sin and their acceptance of sin. Verse 25. In that day, declares the Lord Almighty, the peg driven into the firm place will give way, will be sheared off and will fall, and the load hanging on it will be cut down. The Lord has spoken. So, so it's essentially like this, this tent peg that's driven into the ground to hold the tent down, saying, you know, at some point here in, in that day, and again, what day are we talking about? Are we talking about one that's more contemporary to Isaiah or one that's in the distant future. And he doesn't say, like he's vague here on purpose, but it would seem like this might be more contemporary in this application, but that this particular tent peg, the one that that is holding down the tent, so to speak, of Israel, it's going to be cut down and the Lord is going to have all of this carried away. Again, this is where Isaiah gets quite challenging. And when you read enough commentaries and things like this, there's there's some agreement between some of them and a lot more disagreement. And, and, um, and that's because we are looking at this through the historical lens where we know some of the things have happened, but we're also ignorant of what's going to happen in our future and how some of these things may actually very... Um, literally may take place. And we have a tendency, people have a, a bias against negative things or even positive things that are very specific that are coming in the future. We have a bias to try and rationalize those away as far as like maybe it's already happened or it's not going to be exactly the way Isaiah is prophesying it here. I tend to prefer to take Isaiah and any other scripture like this at its word. And if I haven't seen it yet, then it's very likely that in exactly the way it's talking about, it's going to come to pass. Because over and over and over again, the Bible and God's prophecies and, and everything the Lord says is very, very trustworthy. So I try not to explain things away. That doesn't mean that some of these things might not have figurative applications. Like sometimes maybe there is some figurative uh, language that's going on here where the actual thing that's going to happen is not going to be exactly as it's described. But there's also tons of places where exactly as the prophet has said something, it's exactly how it happens. So I try not to discount that, but at the same time, it, it could be figurative. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know anybody else who does. And until it's something that we can look back on, until we have hindsight, I think it's very difficult to put your flag in the ground and know for certain. And so we keep reading, we keep praying, we keep asking the Lord for revelation into his word. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.